This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Before we get into this morning's message, um, I want to have a look at worshiping God through our offerings. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, and I'm going to read it to you from the Passion. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it'll run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Given, it'll be given unto you. What I want to really point us to and what I want to focus on this morning is it is an encouragement not one that focuses on our activity, but one that focuses on our identity. What God is saying is this. I'm looking for people to position themselves as people who are givers. People who are givers are people who have a disposition and an attitude who understand that if I can get myself established in an identity that God has blessed, what ends up happening is as I live from that place, God's blessing is returned unto me. The reason that God calls us to be givers is because God's intention and God's heartbeat is to touch and affect the world. And the way that he wants to affect the world is through each one of us. So he's going to bless us and he's going to put stuff into our lives with the intention that we take what he's put on the inside of us and we invest it into other people. Giving is more than an action. It's a part, it's, it's a part of who I am. It is something that defines my identity as a born again believer. I live from a place of giving because as God puts goodness into my life, I share goodness. As God puts his mercy into my life, I show mercy. As God blesses me with material things, I take of what he's given to me and I invest into the kingdom. The reason that we do that is because it positions me in an identity and God's blessing comes to our identity, not our reality. That's what I'm going to speak about this morning. God's blessing comes to our identity and not our reality. It's when we position ourselves as a giver that we can live from the blessing and all things will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will men get given to you. Why? It's a promise that is available to people who live from an attitude or who live from a positioning of giving. That blessing is not available to people who are not givers. That's just the way that God has made it. It's a good preamble and a good introduction to what I want to speak about this morning. My encouragement to you is this. Whatever God is putting into your life right now, God is putting stuff into you and he's investing into who you are so that you can take of the things that he's given to you and you can use that to bless the world around you. Take and give. Take and give. And all things will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will men give unto you. Goodness, blessing, mercy, understanding, love, compassion, finances. Give and it will be given. Father, I just want to thank you right now that you are the provider for everything that we need. I want to thank you, Father, that you are the God who is more than enough. And I want to thank you that as you begin to touch and work on people's hearts right now, I want to thank you, Father, for people who grab a hold of and who understand the value of being established in an identity of giving. I want to thank you for people who take of the things that you've deposited into their lives. And I want to thank you, Father, right now, that as they take that and they sow it, so the blessing is available to them and it positions them in a place. 
that it's given unto them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want to start a new series this morning. And I want to start a new series and focus on God's blessing. God's blessing in our lives. If you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading from verse 27. I'm reading out of the New King James. We're just going to read Genesis 1, 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to have a look at and I want to start to explore God's blessing in our life. People want to live and people want to experience God's blessing in their lives. How do we do that? Is it just something that's fortuitous? Is it something that simply comes about because we're good people? Is it something that happens because you happen to be in the right place at the right time? Is it something that comes about because of your sacrificial giving and you live a lifestyle that is one that's characterized by sacrifice? Or is there more to it than meets the eye? It's an important thing that I, I believe that we start in Genesis because Genesis is the, books of, the book of beginnings. And the reason that Genesis becomes really important to us is because what Genesis does is Genesis explains and gives us an understanding as to what God's intention was. So when God started doing things, what it's doing is it's, it's setting in place an understanding as to what God's intention was for humanity and how man was to live. It's a good place to start. There are a whole bunch of understandings that we're going to get from the book of Genesis, including how man messed everything up and the wheels came off horribly. But God's love for us never ended. And God understood that man was going to mess it up. And so he had, he made provision for us. And God began to work through somebody called Abraham. And he began to work through Abraham's life because God's intention was always to come in and to touch humanity and to touch everybody. And he was looking for an opportunity to do that. And so God's relationship and what God began to do in the life of Abraham becomes consequential for you because you become the seed of Abraham. Understanding what God did in that context becomes really important for us. And I want to end it off when we get to the place of what Christ did for us. Because Christ was the period at the end of everything. He was the ultimate fulfillment of what God's intention was. And it introduces us or reintroduces us to God's original design and how God wants us to live. When I go home, I have two options as to how I get home. I can either go home on 66 or I can go home in the back roads. If I go home on 66, it'll get me there a lot quicker, but it's far less scenic. I like going the other road every now and again, and it takes me a little bit longer, but I don't mind it because the journey is more interesting for me. I like to travel along and I spend more time looking out my window and having a look at the greenery and the season coming about and spring coming into its fullness. And I like to see the buds and the grass greening up. And I look and I have an appreciation for those things and it feeds my soul. I like the scenic route sometimes. We're going to take the scenic route. Okay. We're not taking the expedited route. 
And so we're going to take a few weeks to get into this because it's really important that we understand why God has done certain things because it establishes principles that we can take and we can build our life on. And if we don't grasp the principle, it's really difficult moving to the next level with God because we don't have that foundation established. We're going to take the scenic route. People want to be blessed by God. People want to be blessed by God and we want to find out how it is that we can do that. It's like people who are speed junkies. People like speed. There's some people who, my dad was like that. My dad loved the exhilaration of speed. My dad's number plate on his car was born to win. And he believed in getting there quickly. He was born to win. But he liked it. He loved his car and he used to drive this little sports car. There was an exhilaration that came to him from being able to put down the top and put your foot flat on the accelerator. And you know that when you put your pedal down, things are going to happen. Speed happens. All of a sudden, wind comes. And you go racing along. I hope nobody's listening to this. You go racing along, but there's something exhilarating about the speed that you get. The challenge with too many Christians is that we're driving around in our 1970s Chevy station wagon. (laughs) Avocado green. With fake wooden paddling along the side. It's a good family vehicle. It's really big. You can fit yourself in, in fact, probably the whole neighborhood. But it's not designed to ever introduce you to speed. It's never designed to introduce you to exhilaration. The problem with so many Christians is we're driving around in our 1970s lime, avocado green station wagon, and we're looking for the exhilaration of God, and we're never going to discover it. We're going to have to shift our life. We're going to have to shift our life. If you want the exhilaration of God, you're going to have to trade in your 1970s station wagon and you're going to have to sit and say, I'm moving on up to something which is going to give me some speed. I'm moving into something which is going to be more exhilarating for me. But unless you reposition your life, blessing doesn't happen. That's what I want to preach about today. That's what I want to show you. We have a responsibility to make a shift. I'll tell you why. Because in your relationship with God, there are only two entities that come into play. You and him. And he has an unfair advantage. Because he is perfection. He is perfect. Not only is he perfect, but he knows it. And because he's not prepared to compromise on his perfection, he says, I will be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So if anybody's going to change in the relationship, I'm just saying, read between the lines. If things are not happening for you, if the exhilaration isn't there, it's not because the one who is perfect hasn't stepped up to the plate. It's because there's something in my life that's not right. There's something in my life that perhaps is precluding me from stepping into what God's design is for my life. What I'm telling you is this. I'm trying to encourage you to recognize the fact that when you shift your life, when you reposition your life, you will step into God's blessing. God has a plan and God has an intention to get you out of the station wagon and to get you into speed. But he is the one who's going to direct that. He is the author. He is the finisher. He is the one who's going to introduce it and he's the one who's going to fulfill it. And unless we get to the place where we recognize what he's going to do in our life and unless we're prepared to reposition our lives and get ourselves at a place where we can become speed junkies, we never realize the blessing of God. 
It's the reason that so many Christians are unfulfilled. It's the reason that so many Christians have got so much to say about Christianity. It's the reason that so many Christians are disillusioned. Because I tried that stuff, and I thought it was going to work, and I lived in the expectation of it working, but it never did. Because you sat in your station wagon. Get out of the station wagon. God has got something more for your life. God has got something more for your life. At the very outset, the most important thing that we need to understand and have an appreciation for is who you are. Do you know who you are? Most people don't know who they are. Most people get into circumstances and situations and they don't know which choice to make. They don't know what it is that they should be doing. They don't know where the security is established because they don't know who they are. So what happens is I'm exposed to a whole bunch of options. I can see a whole bunch of stuff that's available to me out there, but I don't know which way to go because I don't know who I am. It's the challenge that happens with so many people when they get out of school and they get to college. What is the first question we ask them? Make a decision about what you want to do for the rest of your life. Why? Because you have to decide because we're going to equip you for the rest of your life. But I don't know who I am, so I don't know what I want to study. When you don't know who you are, the challenge with it is you don't know how to engage your future. The challenge with so many people is I don't know who I am. When you don't know who you are, we live a compromised existence because we're susceptible and we're available to whatever's coming in our direction. We don't know which choices to make and very often we make choices for the wrong reasons and we step outside of God's design and God's intention. And what ends up happening is we pray, we open the door of the, the station wagon, we get out this side, we walk around and we get in the other side. I reposition myself, but I put myself back at square one. I've never moved out from where I am. You've got to understand what your purpose is. You have to understand, understand what your purpose is is going to be linked to what is your identity. Who are you? Most mornings when I wake up, things happen when you get older. This is for all the young people. This is, this is, a, this is the bonus material. Things happen when you get older. And you recognize the need to take more care of yourself. And so for me, I become very much aware of what it is that I eat. I recognize that what I put into my body is consequential because I'm feeding the temple. And I can abuse it or I can take care of it. I choose to take care of it. So every morning what I do is I have a health shake. What I do is I get a collection of fruits and vegetables baby spinach, I put in a little bit of Greek yogurt, I like Greek yogurt, it's just a personal preference, Greek yogurt, put in my spinach, put in my, my fruit, um, add some apple bits, put in a little bit of banana, put in some almond milk, throw in a little bit of whey powder, stick it on, and I blend it up. Healthy, nutritious breakfast. I use my blender every single morning. You know what? My blender knows its identity. My blender knows why it exists. My blender knows the reason that I exist is because when you take that stuff and you put it into that little whatever it is that holds it and you stick it on there, I understand my purpose 
as a result of understanding what I'm here to do. The blender understands I'm here to mix, mince, shred, and make it happen. And because of that, when you put that ladle on me and you put all those ingredients on the inside of me, I understand my purpose in that situation. And as a result of that, I grab a hold of a power source which is outside of me, and what ends up happening is there are results that take place. You see, when my blender, because it recognizes its identity and what it was designed to do, it recognizes purpose in its life. And when it recognizes what its purpose is, it places a demand on the power source and it says, ignite my purpose. And what ends up happening is things happen because it knew what its purpose is. If the blender woke up one day and said, you know what, maybe I'm here to iron. Maybe I'm here as a microwave. Perhaps I could be a freezer. What ends up happening? I don't know what my identity is. And when I don't know what my identity is, I'm not able to recognize what my purpose is. And so I'm having a look at all of these kinds of things. And then I want to place a demand on my power source to make it happen. But nothing's going to come to fruition. It's a problem with so many people. When you don't know who you are, you don't recognize your purpose. And when you don't recognize your purpose, we never place a demand on a power source to bring it to fruition so that we can step into that. Everything is related. And our ability to get ourselves established in who we are becomes fundamental. Your identity is the touch point between you and God. God's blessing doesn't come to your reality. God's blessing comes to your identity. When you understand who you are, when you understand that I am a giver, when I live from a reality of who I am, I recognize purpose in my life. And every time I come into contact with a person, I sit and say, how do I take of who I am and give into you? Every time I see a point of need, I sit and say, how do I give into that situation? Every time I see God working in situations where he says, I want you to make a contribution to what it is that I'm doing in the earth. I give into those things. Why? Because I recognize purpose. And because I recognize purpose and because I live from purpose, what ends up happening happening is I live in the expectation that God's blessing will come about. Your identity is going to define your purpose. And when you live from purpose, you will recognize what God's blessing is and you will step into that. And the result of living from that place is that God will bless you. God will bless you. Your identity becomes fundamental to everything. We live in a day and age that really wants to challenge God's monopoly on truth. We live in a day and age that says, you know what? You can decide what you want to do. You can decide what you want to be. The challenge with it is this. God gives you that prerogative as well. He says, I've said before you life and death, blessings and cursings. What do you want to do? God's made it available. God's made your identity accessible to you. The challenge is this. When you decide to live your life and define your identity outside of God's design, we don't have the prerogative of then going to God and asking him to bless it. You can't define your, your, your gender and then walk to God and sit and say, I need for you to bless it. You cannot redefine marriage and then take it into God and sit and say, I'm looking for your blessing. That's the challenge with it. God is sitting saying, I am the author and I am the finisher. I am the one who designed your identity. And when you come into that place, you discover your identity and relationship with me. If you don't discover it in the the relationship and in the context of God, you always run the risk of going the way that you want to go. 
Be careful about the reasons that you make decisions. People are faced right at the moment making decisions about their life and which way their life should go. And the challenge with it is, is very often because I have needs in my life, I'm starting to define who I am and my purpose according to my need. And as a result of that, I'm starting to step into some purpose that's defined by me and my need and not God. The thing is, God's blessing comes to his purpose, not yours. Anytime we move to a place where we're starting to define what purpose is and we're looking for God to bless that, we are not going to step into God's blessing. We don't get to define our identity. He does. And when you step into your identity, God will give you the filter necessary to be able to view your circumstance and situations and you'll be able to identify, you know what? That's the right way to go. I didn't say it would be easy. I didn't necessarily say it's going to be the easiest way to get through. But he will show you which way you need to go. And when you grab a hold of your purpose and you step into purpose, you can make a demand on the power and it's going to bring it about and things are going to happen in your life. Why? Because I'm established in who he's called me to be. I know who I am. We live in a day and an age. One of the biggest challenges we have in terms of walking into our identity for God, is religion. You see, religion is happy for you to recognize God, and religion is happy for you to have a reverential awe for God. Religion is going to be uncomfortable when you approach him as Father God. That's the problem. When Jesus was here, the problem was with the religious people of the day was this. It wasn't that Jesus recognized the fact that there was a God. It was the fact that he introduced him as heavenly father. What he said was things are changing. God has been around and the God of the universe, the God who is up there, the God that you have a reverential awe for, the God that you've been respecting is a God of love. And the God of love wants to come and he wants to have relationship with you. And what Jesus was saying is things are changing because I'm taking you from where you used to be and I'm introducing you to Father God. God wants to know you. God wants to have an intimate part of your life. God wants to be there as Father God to have influence in your situations. You are never going to discover your identity without God's influence in your life. When Jesus started to speak about him as Father God, the religious people wanted to stone him because it was so irreverent. But if you go back to the book of Genesis, Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. He walked with him because he had relationship with him. God wants relationship with you. And outside of God's influence, you're never going to discover your identity. Outside of God's influence, you'll never begin to recognize and step into who it is that he's called me to be. One of the happiest moments for you as a father is when your kids come to you and say, Dad, can you help me? Dad, can you help me? Because what they're saying is this. I understand that I don't have the ability and I don't have the capacity to do certain things. And so I'm depending on your influence. I'm depending on you to come and meet me at this place so that you can have influence in the situation because I know that when you influence, things happen. That's why God wants to have a relationship with us. God's looking for us to go to him and say, Dad, Dad, can you help me with this? 
when you go and meet with God, all too often we're going to go and speak to God about our problems. And we want to go and talk to him about what's happening in our life. And we want to speak to him about the challenges that we have. And we're going to speak to him about these nasty people who are around us. And we're going to speak to us about the big issues that are confronting us. You know what the thing is? When God speaks back to you, he's not going to speak to your problems. He's going to speak to your identity. He's not going to speak to, well, let me just hear and let me lend an ear as to how hard your life is and how difficult things. You know what he's going to speak to you about? I've made you more than a conqueror. Why? He's speaking to your identity. Everything that you lay your hand to shall prosper. Why? He's speaking to your identity. Why? Because he knows that my blessing comes to your identity, not your reality. He knows that if I can get your focus back to who you are, what will end up happening is it'll change the paradigm through which you view your life. It'll change the lens through which you view your situation. And you'll recognize all of a sudden who you are in him. And you'll be able to identify your purpose to deal with the circumstance and situation. And you'll begin to walk into that. And as a result, result is that God's blessing will flow. God's blessing is going to flow as a result of being established in our identity. What does it mean? Identity is one of those strange terms that seems to be so nebulous and so hard to actually grab a hold of. And so when people talk about it, we agree with it because in concept it sounds so good. But in practical terms, what does it mean? He means your beliefs. In the most practical terms, he's talking about what do you believe about the situation that's confronting you right now? What do you believe? I don't think I can do this. There's your belief. I think that this is going to be very hard. There's your belief. The reason that he wants to speak to our beliefs is because he wants to have an influence and he wants to change who we are as people. God is not as interested in what you know as who you are. That's why knowledge is different to revelation. You see, knowledge is going to make you aware of certain stuff, but it doesn't change your identity. He wants to change your identity, and the only way that you can change your identity is when you position yourself at a place where you allow him to have influence in your life, and his grace, his ability comes in and makes a transformational change in who you were. Because when your identity begins to shift, when the way, the way that I believe about the circumstance that's confronting me right at the moment begins to change and takes on a new complexion, all of a sudden I live from that space. God's interested in your identity, not your knowledge base your identity is transformational your knowledge is going to puff you up but it's not going to change your life it's not going to position you in a place where you're going to realize his blessing God designed mankind to be connected to God we are completed through connection we are completed through connection outside of connection with God we will never discover who we are Outside of connection with God, we will never move to the place where we have a recognition as to what our purpose is in circumstances and situations. And as a result of that, we will not walk into that in the expectation that God's blessing is going to meet us in that place and bring about change and transformation. That's how we experience God. You want to know how you experience God? It's through your identity. When you don't believe the way God does, you approach your circumstances and you approach life from a different paradigm to God. So you live in the expectation of a different result. You're hoping it isn't that. I hope it isn't, but it is because your belief is there. 
What God is sitting saying is, what do you believe? If you want me to be evident in the situation, you've got to think like me. More than thinking like me, you've got to be, believe like me. Because when you believe like me, you'll recognize the fact that it's changing your identity and changing the way that you address life. God created man in his image. God created man in his image. We have this strange idea that Adam was a supernatural being. That he was different to us. What I'm proposing to you is this. He's not. If you're a born again believer and you have the life of God on the inside of you, you look like Adam. You see, when God created Adam, what he did was he took the dust of the earth. He took dust and he formed Adam. And once he had used him and created his physical form, he said, I'm going to give you the capacity to be godlike. And so I'm going to build into you the ability to feel, the ability to think, the ability to make decisions. I'm going to build that capacity into you. But all of that stuff is going to be driven from the heart of who you are, the very fundamental core of who you are. And what's going to drive that is what you believe. Take care of that space. It's an important place. Protect that space because the course of your life is going to be determined by that. And once he had built man, he took man and he breathed his spirit into man. He breathed his spirit into man. Man was physical. Man had a soul. But man had the life of God on the inside of him. If you're a born again believer, you look like Adam. If you're a born again believer, you are built the same way that Adam was built. You have a physical body. You have your senses. You have ability to think. You have the ability to feel. You have the ability to decide. And on the inside of you at the most important part is the capacity to define your identity. It's called your heart or your belief system. And the moment you got born again, the life of God came and dwelled on the inside of you. And it says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. Why did Adam walk with God? Spiritual principles don't come into play just because of our generation. Spiritual principles are spiritual principles, period. That's the way they are. It's like God. They were that way yesterday, they'll be like that today, and they'll be like that tomorrow. It's a spiritual principle. It's like gravity. It is what it is. He walked with God in the cool of the evening because you know what? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. He walked with God because he had God's life on the inside of him. But he had to define his identity. He had to define his belief system. And when he spent time in relationship with God, what God was doing is God was sitting saying, let me show you a little bit about who I am. Let me reveal to you a little bit of the capacity of who I am. Do you know that I've put that on the inside of you? If you allow that to come in and you allow that to begin to, to define that space, called your beliefs what will end up happening is you'll walk into that dimension of reality he walked with God in the cool of the evening because in the context of relationship with God he had intimacy and intimacy propagates influence 
Intimacy propagates influence. He spent time with God and God used that as an opportunity to take an aspect or aspects of who he was and reveal it to Adam. What was he doing? He was talking to Adam. Faith comes by hearing. I'm establishing the substrata, the foundation of my life by listening to God. And every time God spoke to him, God said to him, should I tell you something? Everything you put your hand to will prosper. And Adam was like, what do you mean? And he's like, let me tell you about that. I've blessed you and my blessing comes to you. And if you will take that and you will act on that, you will walk into my blessing. He didn't know that until God revealed it to him. God said to him, let me speak to you about the fact that you have my spirit on the inside of you. And the very nature of my spirit is love. Let me give you an understanding as to what that spirit is all about so that you can be fruitful. And peace becomes a part of who you are. And so joy becomes a part of who you are. So faith becomes a part. What is he doing? He was sitting saying, I'm giving you revelation as to who I am. Because every time I show you a part of me, what I'm doing is I'm giving you the capacity to inform your identity. And when you look like me and you begin to address and deal with life that way, my blessing comes to who you are. God blessed him. God walked with him. It was important that Adam spent time with him. If you want to change the way that you are, if you want to reposition your life, you're going to have to meet God in the garden. If you don't meet God in the garden, you move yourselves outside of the capacity for God to influence and shift your life. If you don't meet God in the garden, you're going to spend your life in your Chevy 1970s van. The only way you get to reposition is if God's grace comes in and begins to affect the foundation of your life. When you don't stroll in the garden, you remove yourself from God's capacity and his ability to influence. And when God doesn't influence, I'm relying on something else to give definition to who I am. And I live from that. And I live and I remain as a station wagon Christian. Disgruntled, disempowered, disenfranchised, disgruntled, disenchanted. If you turn to First Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. Sorry, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I want you to see a few things. In this verse, the first thing is this, his divine power. Every time you hear about his divine power, it's speaking about the blessing. Every time you hear about divine power, it's God's blessing. What is blessing? God's blessing is when his divine power comes and has influence in a situation. That's called blessing. So when it's talking about his divine power, it's talking about blessing. God's blessing has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Godliness is actually a reference to your original design. It's going back to the Garden of Eden and it's talking about your God likeness. 
your God likeness. God's blessing, God's power has given you everything that pertains to your God likeness. What it's saying is this, when you meet him in the garden, when you spend time with God, what's going to end up happening is he's going to have influence in your life. He's going to have influence in the foundation of your life, in the foundation of your heart, in terms of what you believe. And as a result of that, it's going to walk you into God likeness. Spending time with God, being intimate with God is what results in God likeness. And when I live from God likeness, his blessing, his power has given me all things that pertain to life. When you step into God likeness, when you recognize the fact that I need to shift my life and I'm letting go of the station wagon and I'm stepping into my sports coupe, when I recognize the fact that I can live from that place, I live from the expectation that God is going to take it and God is going to move and God's blessing is going to flow because God's blessing is on my identity, not my reality. When God's blessing comes to who I am, I have the responsibility to sit and say, fine, now I take this and I introduce it and I live in the expectation of blessing. That's why as a giver, give and it will be given unto you. If you're a giver, if what defines your identity is giving, you have the prerogative and you have the right to make a demand against the blessing. If you don't give, you can't claim that. That's why your identity is important because every time God says, I want you to do this and I'm positioning you in this way, what he's saying is I'm positioning you to make a demand or to make a claim against a blessing. You only get to claim the blessing when you're living from that place. All things will be given unto me in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And Father, I just want to thank you that I claim that today. I want to thank you, Father, that the people that I run in today bless my life. I want to thank you, Father, that my bank account is full. I want to thank you, Father, that it doesn't matter what the circumstances or the economy or the situation or the stock market or anything looks like. I want to thank you, Father, that you're over and above that and you provide blessing in my life because I'm a giver. I live in the expectation of God's blessing me. Why? Because I live as a giver. How do you live your life? How do you live your life? When we begin to change our identity, things begin to happen in our life. You want to know how to shift your life. You want to know how to walk into God's blessing. What you do is you grab a hold of who God is and you step out in faith on what you believe. And you move in a direction that God shows you because you recognize purpose. And when you move into that space, you live in the expectation that everything that God said is available to that particular part of your, of your life comes into fruition. Everything you put your hand to shall prosper. I live in the expectation that because God blesses who I am and blesses my hands and that's a part of who I am, I move to a place where I begin to sit and I say, Father, I want to thank you that as I get involved in this endeavor, I want to thank you, Father, that I'm looking for your blessing. I'm expecting your blessing on my life. What are you expecting from God today? What are you expecting from God today? The degree to which we live our Christian life and the quality of the Christian life that we experience is directly related to the intimacy that we have with God. What's important to you? What is important to you? For some people, having fun in life is important. That's a priority. That's their driver. That's what motivates every day. Some people want to be rich. 
That's what I want. I have an awareness of other things, but that's what drives my life. I want to be rich. I want to be powerful. What's important to you? What is important to you? You see, the things of God are reserved for the people of God who esteem the things of God and who value them. The things of God are reserved for people who sit and say, what's most important for me is to discover who I am in you. And when you move to that place, it changes the disposition of our life because what becomes most important to me and what becomes the sign of my maturity is not the fact that I'm capable of doing things, but it's that I'm capable of tapping into my identity with God and I'm able to live in a place of blessing as a result of it. That becomes a sign of my maturity. What drives my life is my ability to shift my life, to reposition my life in a place and put it in a place where I know who I am in him and I live in the expectation and place a demand on his blessing so that I can walk into blessing of my, in my life. When that becomes a priority to who we are, when that begins to be the driver for who we are, things begin to happen in our lives. What are you passionate about? If you're not passionate about the things of God, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to do some stuff in your life. Change the passions of your life. Because you won't realize the fullness of what God has available to you until you become passionate about those things. Who you are is important. And when we start redefining who we are by changing our belief system, what ends up happening is God changes the filter of our life and we begin to recognize our purpose in people, in circumstances and situations. And as we embrace that and as we walk into purpose, we live in the expectation of placing a demand on the power source which comes in and honors that and brings about blessing in our life. All things that pertain to, God, to, to life and God-likeness. You have a wonderful opportunity. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. My encouragement to you at a practical level this week is this. Scrutinize what you believe about things. I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but you do. Sit down and analyze what you truly believe about it. When you understand what you believe about that situation, you become empowered to make some changes. When you understand what it is that you believe and you recognize what you believe, it puts you at a place where you can sit and say, I don't want to stay there. I've got to discover what God says about me. When you discover what God says about you and you begin to change your belief system by spending time with him, your life will shift. Your circumstances will shift. You will move into a place where you walk into the blessing of God. We're going to carry on with this next week and we're going to talk a little bit more about how God blessed them and introduce them to purpose. Father, I just want to thank you for every person that's watching today. I want to thank you, Father, that your hand is on their life. And I want to thank you. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what our disposition even is towards you. It never affects your love for us. 
I want to thank you that you love every person so much that what you're doing is you're reaching out to them and that you are grabbing hold of them and you're presenting them with the opportunity to come to you. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for the power of reinvention. I want to thank you that you introduce us to newness. And so although we spiritually have your life on the inside of us, I want to thank you that as we spend time with you in the garden, you use your ability to transform your ability for influence to change the fundamentals of our life so that we step into that newness and we live from that place. I thank you for people who are blessed this week. And I want to thank you, Father, for your love, for your blessing, for your provision, and for your health and wellness that covers every person. In Jesus' name, amen.